Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Previously, on a new winter. I could see police had circled the hotel. Dave Dubridge was right. Then these weren't police. They were Thule's men. This is episode 60 of A New Winter. I ran down the stairs and carefully went out into the street. Whatever was happening, it wasn't to do with me. Something was happening inside the hotel. Do I approach these guys as police? What should I do? I decided to play along. I didn't want them thinking that I was some kind of threat. I confidently strode out to see three other officers looking up at the hotel. Inspector Crawley here, I said. What's happening? They all looked at one another. Uh... We've been told that a person of interest is staying up there. We're just taking precautions, one of them said. I nodded along. Hmm, okay. Can I help? Nah, best leave to us. We got this, he answered. I smiled and walked away. Whatever was happening in there, I think I needed to keep a safe distance. I went to another street and just looked on, where I knew the others couldn't see me. There was a lot of commotion people looking through windows, even people on the roof. But I couldn't see what was actually happening. This is useless, I said to myself. And then, as if plucked from nowhere, someone who looked exactly like Michael Verdun walked right past me. I was shocked, in complete disbelief. Was it actually him? Had he landed straight onto my lap? Hey, I shouted after him. He turned around and we made eye contact. There was no doubt. I had found Michael Verdun. Just then, unsurprisingly, he began to run. Michael, stop police, I shouted. But the man was fast, very fast. He sprinted down a side alley, over a car hood and into a parallel road. 
a car almost knocking him down in the process. It stopped, just in time. But suddenly I noticed three policemen get out of that car and start chasing him too. Oh shit, I thought. Michael was clearly panicking. I was quite far behind now and could see him struggling to get away from these fake police. He was throwing rubbish bins, shop signs, anything he could get his hands on to try and slow them down, but it was no use. They were catching up, fast. Then as he sprinted even faster along the road, another car pulled up out of nowhere, right in front of him. Michael tried to double back, but his pursuers were already on him, and it was too late. They grabbed him and bundled him inside the car. No, I shouted. But it was too late. They'd driven right past me. Michael Verdun looking right at me as they drove by. Not a look of relief, but a look of help. What could I do? I looked around and saw further back up where he'd come was the car that had initially almost run over Michael. The doors were open and the engine seemed to still be running. And as I got closer to it, I noticed the keys were still in the ignition. Maybe it was my lucky day after all. I managed to catch up to their car. And though I was trying to remain inconspicuous, it's difficult to do with no other cars on the road in the middle of the snow. So it didn't take them long to notice that I was behind them. They sped up and screeched around every corner, the ice making them slide along the road. The few passers-by there were stood back against the wall in shock as we flew by. This is so weird, I thought to myself. A car chase in such a tiny village. But soon we were on the country lanes. I tried to get ahead of the car, but it was knocking me off course. I shunted the rear bumper, but still it kept going. Then someone came out from the passenger side window started shooting. I hit the brakes and ducked down. As I did so, the car spun out of control and I felt the passenger side door crunch against the lamppost. In the distance, I could see the other car turn a corner and drive off. I took a deep breath and, apart from being in shock, I seemed to be fine. I tried starting the ignition again and what left me in even more shock was that the engine started up. I quickly reversed and heard the passenger door scrape along the pavement. It was hanging by a thread. I kicked it off and began to follow the car. I continued in the direction I had last seen it going, and as I drove on, I realised I'd been to this place before. Were they going where I thought they were going? I tried to remember the way as best I could, and soon I managed to see the car in the distance, parked up at the destination I'd guessed they were going to the Stockwell farm. I slowly drove the car behind some snowy bushes in a nearby field and covered the tracks as best as I could. It was a rather lame attempt, but it was the best I could do. It should do the trick, I thought, unless you were specifically looking for it. I ventured towards the farm, trying my best to remain undetected, which was rather hard to do with the bright white snow making you stand out like a sore thumb, but I continued nonetheless. Then as I got about halfway across the field, I heard a rumble from behind me and I threw myself to the ground. I peered up to see a white transit van rolling across the road towards the farm. I stayed still and watched. The van pulled up and two rather well-groomed stocky men got out and opened the back of the van. As they did so, the doors flew back and suddenly two women tried to jump out. They were hysterical. The men grabbed them as if expecting this to happen and one was put back in the van with the door closed whilst the other was dragged by the two men into the stockwheel house. It was then that I noticed something even more distressing. The woman was heavily pregnant. Whilst the coast was clear, I got back up and tried to make my way around the back of the barn, to the side of the house, 
so that if the men came back out, they wouldn't be able to see me, but I should still be able to see them. I managed to get to the back of the barn without anyone appearing. The van was just sitting there, quietly, unmoving. I took a deep breath. I knew I had to free the women in there, whomever else was held captive. As I took two steps towards it, the men came back out. I dived back behind the barn and was almost certain that they had seen me. I heard one of them say, What was that? Eh? The other replied. I heard the van door open, but I could also hear footsteps crunching in the snow towards my direction. I reckon someone's here, you know, the first voice said. Well, the other shouted from his van. Even more reason to get a move on then, eh? Come on, we've got to take the rest of them back to St Michael's before the evening. They're going to pop any minute. Oh, but... Hello, the voice shouted, in a patronisingly posh old woman's voice. If someone is there, please don't hurt us or daub us in. We promise we'll be good. Oh, for fuck's sake, Chris, just get in. What are you scared of? I heard a grunt, and then the steps retreating back to the van. Soon the engine started back up and off it went. I dared not move until I knew the van was out of sight. I was terrified. I knew I shouldn't be. I mean, there's only two heavies in a van, but I couldn't help it. And as I sat there waiting, with my back against the barn, I noticed something coming from the trees. In fact, it wasn't just one thing. There seemed to be multiple things from all around. I waited for a bit longer and made out a figure. A human figure. And then, lots of human figures all emerging from the forest, but they didn't look normal. They were naked, some kind of headpiece on, each one different. I looked on as they all seemed to be making a beeline for me. It was inevitable now that if I got up, they would see me. But it was too late to worry about that now. I had to move. Very carefully and very slowly, I got to my feet and tried to keep an eye out for any sudden movements, but nothing. Onwards they came, surely making me out now if they hadn't already, and... With my heart in my throat, I stood up straight and emerged from behind the barn. But as I turned the corner, I almost didn't breathe. For around me, there were even more of these people, a lot closer than from the other side. That was it. I've been caught, I thought. But they didn't seem to notice me. Well, either that or they didn't care. Instead, they slowly made their way to the inside of the house. I decided to follow them in, and as I got close to them, I could see that they were in some sort of trance and didn't acknowledge me whatsoever. Baba, Baba, some of them seemed to be murmuring under their breath. And then I heard an ear-piercing scream. It's a woman, a woman in considerable pain. I rushed into the back of the house and in front of me was the pregnant woman from the van, lying on all fours, and behind her was a man in a white coat with his back to me. A doctor, I presumed. She screamed again and it ran right through me. Almost there, dear? See how quick these are. Much better than a human birth, I assure you. Oi, I heard from behind me. and looked to the corner of the room to see a huge black beast of a man staring back at me. What are you doing here? I... But I was cut off by another scream. And then I saw something that would stay with me till the end of my days. A black, slug-like creature was given birth to into the doctor's hands there we are lion could you then this huge man this lion picked up the poor girl had just given birth and had now passed out and took her away 
I stood there, dumbstruck, looking at the creature that I'd just seen come into this world. The doctor turned around and, for such an old face, he beamed brightly. This one is extra special, and when the boy arrives he'll be besotted with her all over again. (sighs) Maybe finally this madness will end. And I realised he wasn't looking at me, but behind me. Well done, Carver, this is all going rather swimmingly. And I recognised that voice. I turned back around and saw Tooley again. Inspector Crawley, you really are very good at being in the right place at the right time. Well, or the wrong place at the wrong time, depends where you're looking from, I guess. What? What is that? This lovely little child, how dare you? I jest, of course. In the next few hours, this will grow at an exponential rate, and from it will rise an asset that will help us control the... boy that you saw. That killed your lovely Inspector Grahams. Oh, how very tragic that you met such an untimely death. You can't control that thing, surely. It isn't even human. Well, it is and it isn't. But just like any living creature, it can be controlled. Have you met him? Truly met him? It really is quite remarkable. Such frail, naive innocence that hides his truly dark inner workings. He even has the ability to... I guess you'd call it shapeshift. There's so much various DNA compositions within him that it allows him to mix and match that information however he deems possible. But much like any dangerous weapon, it is slightly unstable. It's wont to spin out on some kind of blood frenzy. And then playing the doe-eyed victim in the next blink of an eye. It's remarkable, really. And here, take a look behind you. As I did so, I noticed the black, slug-like creature had already doubled in size, as this Dr. Carver gave it a variety of injections. DNA. Through the marvel of science and our very own Dr. Carver, we now control the result of what emerges. It's a true technical marvel. He smiled. I noticed outside that these naked figures were really starting to number up now. I wasn't sure if I was making it out in one piece. Look, I reasoned with him. I just want Michael, and I'll be gone. I don't want to be involved in any of this stuff. Tooley laughed. (laughs) Don't want to be involved, do you? Well, I've heard that before. Many, many times. Just want Michael, eh? Well, here he is. There was an awkward pause. (sighs) Really lost that dramatic moment there. I was hoping someone in the other room was listening. Could you bring in Michael, please? He shouted. After a few moments, the men who had been shooting at me not that long ago brought a man into the room, his head in a potato sack, and pulled it off to reveal that it was indeed Michael. Jesus. Dad, is that you? Was the first thing he said, before he'd even looked around, seeing the black slug on the floor and the naked crowd assembling around us. But as he did so, he could see the confusion slowly appear on his dim face. What the hell was going on here? Michael! Mr. Tilly walked towards him with open arms. Well, not quite the family gathering you're expecting, I imagine. I know we've got a lot to catch up on, but I'm in rather a rush. Dad, Dad, I... Let me cut to the point. I know what you're going to say. You're dying. I know you've come as some final farewell or whatever, but the truth is you are always going to come back here. I sent you out with my disease in the hope that perhaps the doctors out there might be able to cure you, but apparently they can't. And now you have an even better purpose. You've made friends with a rather charming young lad, I'm led to believe. What? A boy you have locked away in your hotel. (laughs) Naughty, naughty. I know, it's not like that. I 
It's okay. Like father, like son, eh? Tilly winked. You know that lad can save you from your disease. What, what do you, how do you mean? When you left, you were so full of vitriol. I wondered how you'd cope out there, but quite well, so I hear. Lots of money made, but not enough to stop death, it would seem. Ah, well, it's good to see you anyway, back in this little old town. You're home, dear boy. Now all I need you to do is just be friends with the boy. Then I'm sure he'll rid you of this brain what's it you have. In fact, he may even pass you the knowledge of how to live forever. Doesn't that sound nice, hmm? Then you just give it to me, your father. Live forever? Well, yes, he has the power to do it. We just need him to open up and let us in on the secret. He'll probably pretend he doesn't know anything, but don't be fooled by his tricks. He knows, all right. I just need you to get him out of him while he's together, like when he's with you. Just then the slug wriggled on the floor, turned my stomach looking at it. This is ridiculous, Michael laughed. He's just a kid. What does he know? Until he walked over to his son, placed a hand upon his cheek and slid it up to his forehead before placing his other hand behind his son's neck, pushing his hand firmly against his forehead. About five seconds passed before Tilly removed his hand, some weird black ooze remaining like a strange glue upon both of them, and Tilly wiped his hand against his trouser leg. Why are you so sweaty? he asked. But Michael couldn't answer. His eyes had glazed over, and after a couple of seconds he looked at Tilly, and in a very slow, deliberate way, asked, Where do I find him? Well, you may need to go rest a while. There's no rush. Have a lie down upstairs before you... Oh. And with that, Michael had passed out. Tooley waved him out as the others picked up Michael and dragged him out of the room. Is he okay? I asked, suddenly feeling very sorry for the guy. Yes, he's fine. I just gave him a bit of a incentive to piss off the boy. It's another little game, you see. I like to test the boy as much as possible, see what sends him into a frenzy and what doesn't. I've no real need of Michael anymore. It was to see if science in the outside world has caught up to our ancient ways. Could maybe even go further, but it hasn't. So, shame, really. What about me? Why am I here? To be honest, dear fellow, you're here to keep the outside world off my back. Michael will die here, and if the boy kills and absorbs him, he'll be missing forever. If the body is still intact, it will be sent back out into the world and found to be an unsolvable death. You will have your time here, then you'll be sent back without any memory of what happened. Or perhaps some memories we decide to give you. Well, the new you, you see. Sorry? It's quite a gift. Let me give you some advice, Crawley. Whilst you're here in this town for... quite some time, why not just act debaucherously? Do whatever your mind or body wills it to. It's true freedom, you know, and it's yours. Just take it. Dr. Carver here will help you. I turned around to see Dr. Carver inject something into my throat, and seconds later, I was unconscious. The last words I heard were two days. Let's see what darkness there is inside him. And with that, I was gone. I want to thank our patrons for supporting the show. You can become one now by going to patreon.com slash a new winter or click on the link at our website at newwinter.com. There you can find more information including a link to our merchandise page and how you can contact us. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter 
at newwinter, facebook.com slash anewwinter, or email us directly at anewwinterpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice, as it can really make a big difference. Thank you for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.